Jeff Ogilvy survives Wingfoot. Now the moment Aaron Badley has waited. Curry Webb is the five-time Australian Open champion. Golf at its best by one of the best in golf, Peter Thompson. Stand in front of a crowd like this today and win the PGA Championship is pretty special. He's done it at last. Greg Norman. his name on the Stonehaven Cup. Leishman to 11 under. Now we've got a new leader, kids. Here it is, Adam Scott. A life changer. Coming up next, you have unrestricted access to golf across Australia and the world. Thanks to Golf Australia, we're going inside the ropes. Subscribe now on iTunes or your favourite podcast app or head to golf.org.au. G'day everybody, welcome to Inside the Ropes, episode number 151. I'm sure regular followers of the show and its social media platforms will have seen the magnificent and over-the-top celebrations for episode number 150 at Royal Adelaide last week, to which you were shamelessly part of again, Mark Hayes. I had no idea that was coming, Andy, and I trust me, had I known that potpourri was going to be thrown my way, I would have dodged far more adamantly than I did. Clates is a great one for celebrating milestones and getting into the spirit of these things. Hello, Michael Clayton. Andy, how's it? Going well, how are you going? We need to talk to you first about your um, extended absence um, from the podcast. Well, yes, I know. Um, You've kicked away the the crutches here. No crutches. No longer hobbling around, but what do you, to what do you put down uh, an early season running injury on the calf? You know, it's an, uh, whenever you go from doing slow, very, very slow old man jogging, and then you're asked to do 10 kilometers of stop, start sprinting, uh, not good. That's like doing um, six weeks of chipping and putting and then expecting to stand on the first team and hit a 330 meter drive, I reckon. You know the best story about jogging and walking and Katrina Matthew at the Olympics. Go on. Was playing golf at Great Britain, I guess. Was she? Well, she would have been. Yeah. 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 No, Great Britain. Britain. Yeah. She decided she'd go for a jog in the Olympic Village and she stopped when two African walkers went past her. <laughs> 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 yeah, that's the, that's the world trying to tell you something, isn't yeah. it? You're not going fast enough and the walkers are going faster than you are running. Okay. Well, there's a segue. There's a heap of stuff to talk about today. Uh, and some of it is good. Some of it, it isn't. And part of the good is Adam Scott, and we'll get to what he did at Riviera in a moment. But as a result of what he did at Riviera, and you've mentioned the Olympics, I don't know how big a deal this is for golf fans around Australia and elsewhere who listen to this podcast, but he's now put himself in in a, in a slightly difficult position for himself, I reckon, given the position that he's taken on representing at the Olympic Games in Tokyo. He has. Uh... He's thawed to the prospect of it mm. over the last four years. He was adamant in 2016 that Zika or no Zika, he wasn't going to Rio. Um, We've got coronavirus now. Coronavirus. He's got he's got sponsor commitments in Japan. Yep. Yep. He's got the, still the underlying belief, which no one's going to blame him for. And we might talk about this with um, Brooks Kepka later as well. He has the same view that it's still not the pinnacle of golf. So, you know. Should that does that matter? Because it's not. I mean, no one's sitting around here. Table, this table thinks a gold medal, even though Inby Park would disagree. She said that to you guys again in Royal at Royal Adelaide during the ISPS Hander Australian Women's Open. I think it was because of such a big deal for Korea. If she was Australian, I don't think she would think the same. But it was such a massive deal in Korea to be part of that team and to win that gold medal. And they wanted her to pull out. I knew that story before she told it, but they she'd missed the cut in Korea a couple of weeks before and she hadn't played much. She was injured and they kind of thought she should have pulled out of the tournament. So she went there, you know, and as she admitted in Adelaide, under a lot of pressure, to, she said, I was scared to play, which is a pretty amazing mm. admission. It was, somebody, it was an amazing admission. someone looks like she's completely devoid of any emotion, which of course she isn't, but you know, she was, I was scared to play, she said in Rio. Mm. And she phenomenal what she <clears throat> said in Adelaide. Uh, look, I, you know, if you boil it right down, I actually support Adam Scott's thoughts on the matter. You know, yeah, yeah. I don't Absolutely. think he said a thing wrong. Um, that said, when Minji and Sue and, and Marcus Fraser uh, were all, you know, on the verge of medals in Rio, I was into it. And the, the big thing is that we forget that we're talking to the rusted on people here listening to this podcast. 
these are the people who are already on golf. Yeah. Um, I learned quickly that during the Olympics that their runs, so Fraser making 63 and then Sue and Minji going well for a while, um, for quite a while, um, really opened up golf to a new audience. Yeah. I think that's the key to it from an objective perspective because, you know, it's clearly not – if you offered Adam Scott the Open Championship this year, the Claret Jug or, the, or a gold medal, he won't even contemplate the answer. He would say mm. Claret Jug every time. Mm. But for a promotional of golf thing and to actually get more people to understand what it is, not only in Australia but around the world, Olympics is where it is. I believe I believe that because it actually – I never used to even th- contemplate that, to be honest with you, Andy, but I, I believe that now. Because a lot of people will tell you that there's no place for golf. Yeah. This is not an Olympic event, and, and if there's going to be time and money and space allocated to a sport in the under the Olympic umbrella, golf is one that shouldn't be party. Yeah, but look at how many sports are in there. Sh- I mean, the Olympics seems to me like it's a, um, it's a show for unwatchable minority sports in the main, mm. isn't it? And it took by and large, yeah, yeah. Table tennis and well, they're, taekwondo they're, and fencing and Greco-Roman mm. wrestling and sports that, where it is the pinnacle that have their moment in the sun every four years. But for golf, it's, it's every week in golf on mm. TV and tennis too. There's, uh, but Todd Woodbridge will tell you that he thinks the gold medal in Federer would give up a major for a gold medal in tennis. It yeah, it's easy to say when goes to twenty one. Yeah, that's right. It's yeah. easy to say when you've got twenty of them in the bank. Yeah. <laughs> if you've got one, talk to someone. Talk to Pat Rafter. Yeah. You know what would he would he give? And Pat Raft is probably a bad example because he might very well give away because he does wear the patriotism on the sleeve, you know, yeah. more than most. But pick somebody who's won one, uh, you know, and, and say, would you give that away for an Olympic gold medal on him? Yeah, Wayne Grady. No. Yeah, Ben Baker Finch, no chance. So Baker Finch plays a role in this. Well, he's yeah. the captain. He is. He is the captain again of uh, of both the, teams. Which is the. Which is the, the he swore he wasn't going to do it last time after all the paperwork he had to do, all the rubbish. Had to, and I came for Sue and had to get her working with children check because oh she was under 21, under, maybe. Is that right? Yeah, I had to get one of those working with children cards because I was going to cave for, so I came for Sue in Rio. But Jesus. Which was kind of. I have to get a, I'm working for the AOC this year at the yeah. Olympics and I have to get a, a working with children thing as well. Yeah. And a background check and all that stuff. So is the is the is there pressure? You feel like there's pressure now on Adam now that he's back inside the top ten and he's clearly going to be the highest ranked Australian. You know, well we think he's well, going to be the highest. We may not Australian. the way we're well, going. Yeah, that's right. I mean, chances are he will be. Yeah, I mean, the pressure. I assume the pressure comes from Uniqlo, who <clears throat> yeah don't pay him a insubstantial amount. But he won't be able to wear Uniqlo no, no, logos. But, but still, the yeah, outside of the yeah. Olympic Village, and yeah. there'll be a heap of stuff going on. So. Well, it's just still he's there, you know. Yeah. I mean, there's, that's a Jap- massive Japanese company, and he's a, he and Federer are there. Are they there too? No, Djokovic. No, he's Lacoste. He he's, he he left it? Uniqlo to go to Lacoste. Ah. So there wouldn't be. I many mean, Federer's obviously. Yeah. I assume their biggest athlete, and Adam would be close to. Mm. I mean, they might have soccer players. I have no clue. But again, I'm reading the rules of what, mm. what I have to do this year and what I'm not allowed to do, and all that sort of stuff. There's no, there's not much scope for Uniqlo around the AOC branding. No. Oh no, it gets full on. The paperwork is full on. I mean, Sue had, I think we had, maybe not there, maybe the international crown, but one, either the Rio or the, she had to put masking tape over the Callaway thing on her head cover. Did she really? Yeah. Is that a fact? <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's extraordinary. Yeah. So, uh, complete by the by, your favourite player, Nick Kyrgios tennis player, has said that he uh, really wants to stay in the village. Yes, yeah, we're going to stay in the yeah, village. And Adam Scott stay in well, the village? My experience was Andrew Shuden, who came from Minji, and I stayed in the village. We were going to stay in the house, I think. Yeah, we were, we were going to stay in the house. Because it was a fair way away, wasn't it, in, in – What, the village? Yeah, no, for the golf course from the village. No, well, you can see it. it was oh, all, yeah. okay, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was not far away at okay, all. Okay, right on. But Sue's sister came, so she took my bet. Anyway, um, so we stayed in this little pokey room together. Uh, you and shooting. Yeah. <laughs> and the girls stayed in the house. They, they stayed in the village for a couple of nights when Hendy and Fraser were in the house, and they moved out and the girls moved in. Right. But if I was a player, yeah, the, 
it's a cool part of the Olympics to stay in the village. I mean, yeah. it's a, if you, I mean, golf, I mean, Adam, Adam and Jason's staying in one room together, which is as small as this studio, mm -hmm. uh, going next door to the toilet where you can't use toilet paper. Um, <laughs> that would be the, those guys aren't used to that sort of stuff. <laughs> But it's a kind of cool thing to of do. Of course to stay in the it is. Village. Of course. So I was, you know, I was glad I stayed in the village and not in the house. Yeah. The house was much more luxurious, but you go to the Olympics, it's kind of a cool so thing what to did say. You, I stayed did, in the village. What did you like about it? I'm interested in this. Well, I just think just to have stayed, just to have not many people have done that. Yeah. I mean, well, 20,000 people probably every four years stay in the So there are lots of people who stayed in that. But in terms of the, the population of the world, not many people have done that. So mm. it's a kind of a cool thing to do. I, it's going to be fascinating because, um, Kasumi Gaseki, is that right? Mm, Kasumi Gaseki, yeah. Uh, sorry about my Japanese infliction there. Uh, is an <clears> hour, <throat> and a, an hour and a half. Oh, we, we said hello to Haruna yeah, Mura for you, you too. Good on Australian good um, Kasumi Gaseki, my dodgy language is actually an hour and a half North it in is, the traffic yeah. of, of Tokyo city. So it's not going to be a village thing because you won't want to be doing three hours in cars no. or trains or whatever, um, to get up and down. So hotel, it's going to be hotel, not village mm. or mm. whatever it is up there. Yeah. I kind of don't mind an hour and a half, three hours in a bus a day to do it. I wouldn't mind. That wouldn't bother me. How do you reckon they go with Jason Day and well, he's not going to get in the team anyway, is he? Well, that's a fair point. Adam Scott. Yeah. Well, he's not sitting in a bus for three hours a day. A helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> no, so you're, he, no, you're probably right. Yeah, I mean, for them, yeah. Yeah. Um, so presumably it's traffic, not distance. Uh, it's a combination of both. I mean, it's a fair way out of town, but then the, the you know, the policies of, you know, road closures and openings and one lanes and security yeah, and everything, everything like that. Everything's more difficult during it's just Olympics. hard. So yeah. it might go from 60 minutes to 90 minutes because of Olympics. But hmm. Surely it should be quicker. Surely the police can close the roads off and well, stick you in a in a car and drive you there at 100 miles an hour. I mean, there are Olympic lanes. My, yeah. I've been to a couple of – I've been to Olympics and Com Games, and they have hmm. Olympic lanes for, ve for special vehicles yeah. so marked and you do get express lanes. So in the past you have. So it'd be – you never know. There might be, but still – it's a if it's oh, an hour you, there an hour back. I'm are sure. the Olympics on? Well, well they, I think they will be. They will be. They yeah. say yes at the moment. So, um, you know, who knows? We don't know what's going on. It's a crazy world at the moment. It is. It it's is genuinely crazy right now. How much of Riviera did you watch? I watched quite a bit. Well, not quite, you, for me, I watched quite a bit, which is half an hour an hour. Maybe. Okay. I was completely wrapped up. I saw up the in Miss Harold Varner's top on the tenth, and oh, that was unbelievable. Um, Hell, it was half an hour I didn't after see the he end. Cause I, I, I left when Adam was on thirteen, maybe or something. Yeah. But there I've, was a, I've read about it and watched the highlights, but that's about it. There was a calmness about him, and and there should be. You know, he's got hundreds yeah. of millions of dollars in, oh, no, tens of millions of dollars in the bank, and hundreds of millions, of hundreds of millions dollars in the bank. And he needs nothing. He needs for nothing. He's one fifty-five million US. Well, there you go. So he's got over 100 million bucks. Which is, is that's almost, a, what's that, 80 million in Australia? Yep, that'll do. Mind you, I'm sure he hasn't got all of it left. But, <laughs> right. but, but I'm sure Titus and Uniqlo and yeah. his appearance fee at the Singapore Open. And he, I don't think he pays for a lot. He's not paying for his clothes, his golf clubs, his cars. He's not paying for a lot. But, but having said that, yeah. there was a, this is, what is it, his 14th win on the PJ Tour. Mm -hmm. there, there was a calmness. There were, there were three or four times uh, in that round where he hit shots and moments occurred when he had that double bogey on seven with Rory and it played Rory oh, out of the tournament. Yeah. That was the moment where Rory was gone. Yeah. Rory never recovered from that. He went double bogey. In fact, a triple? No, he went double bogey. Was it triple bogey? bogey? Adam birdied six and Rory bogeyed it. The, That's the, correct. The par three with the bunker in the middle of the green. On, which is, I'm <clears> kind of get your thoughts on that at some point. Well, it's great. You great. like it? That's oh, a great hole. Yeah, it's brilliant. You like a bunker in the middle yeah, of the green? it's perfectly. Why do you like that? Well, because it just works on that hole. Not something you would, if you're going to copy that or, or replicate that principle, you've got to pull it off pretty well. It's just a massive, it's four greens divided by a bunker, really. I understand but that. But... One. No, that's a great par three. It really works. Okay, right. Just on. for the listeners, Andy's fallen down shocked like he's done another calf muscle here. I am shocked that you would say that. I would have thought that you would have thought gimmickry of, it's of the, almost the highest order. Like having a big boulder in the middle wow. of a green or a tree in the middle of a fairway. or wow. George Thomas was a 
I don't doubt brilliant he's a, designer yeah. who came up with a gimmick that never took off that should have it would have transformed golf was a course within a course. So at LA Country Club across the road, he built two long par threes with back tees so the holes could play as short par fours. He had a pin placement on the fifth hole, which is an uphill 460 metre, 50 metre par four. He had a brutal pin that no one could get at. When Gil Hans restored the golf course with Jeff Shackelford, they found a drawing he'd done with a tee at 350 yards. So when they played to the front pin, they played the 350-yard tee on the on the 490-yard hole. Mm. And he had the second hole was, could be played as either a par four or a par five. So they called it the course within a course, which was a concept that should have taken off and never did. Now, he built that. Depression came, war came, all those great guys died, and Trent Jones took over, and People just forgot about this concept, mm. but golf would be way better. So he, he, so he was building. So why don't you do that? Well, we've done it. We did it. We did it at Peninsula on the. Oh, with for the old blokes on the fifteenth hole on the so ten on the ten and fifteen on the north. Yep, are interchangeable as fours and fives. Okay. Yep. And I think it's a great idea. So, so the idea of putting a bunker in the in nineteen twenty or whenever mid twenties, when there was no conventional thoughts about what fair and, and golf course design. The idea of putting a bunker in the middle and contouring the green so you could putt around it and it worked was not that radical. It looks kind of radical now because no one ever, no one tried it since. But Would you do it? If you're given the right circumstance, you might. Norman did it in San Antonio. I've never seen that hole, but he, he did it there, the course there. And his plan was also, to, I, think, I think I'm right in saying, his plan was to do a bunker in the middle of the 15th green as well. It was certainly a massive mound in front of it. So the 15th hole at LA Country Club, the Walker Cup, they played it at 80 yards maybe one day. That right. Tiny little neck of a green, tiny yeah. neck, little sandwich shot. It was brilliant. Yeah. So Thomas was, he was in, he, he was up for anything. Hmm. So that, that he built that thing in 920 is not a surprise at all to me. And it's a great part three that works really so well. So do you, off the top of your head from, <clears throat> if you, if the pin's on the right side of that green. You can putt, you can you can pretty much putt to any pin sure. using the contours around the bunker. But if you if you're firing it at the right or left or a back or a front pin, mm. do you know how much depth you've got? Yeah. From the left from the side of the bunker to the edge of the yeah. green? Yeah, sure. Is it a legitimate green no, size yeah. target? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Okay, yeah, right. It works. Yeah. The, the, there was an incident there when before, back in the days when you had to have the when if you hit the pin it was a two shot penalty, Billy Casper was on the green pitching across the bunker. And because he was pitching, he didn't think to have the caddy hold the flag. Because oh. he pitched it across the bunker, hit the pin, oh. went in for a two, two-shot two penalty. Jesus. Four. Oh, oh wow. that's amazing. <laughs> Who would have been thinking? You wouldn't. You could be forgiven for thinking yeah. about that now, not thinking about yeah, that now. So he, so that moment. So Adam buried that hole. Yeah. Rory, Rory bogeyed it. He did. He yeah. went, yeah. So And he never recovered. But, but Scott did. Scott could have had a calamity on 15, 15. where he – smashed his drive through the group that were waiting to play their second. Mm. Darman and his group were waiting to play their second shots on 15 and the sun was setting and it was a bit hard to see from the tee and the marshals have said, you're right to go. Well, they certainly didn't say mm. hold. And he smacked it through the group. He hit an absolute burner down the middle of the fairway, hit this really weak second shot into the front right trap and it plugged. And then he hit over the green. Yeah. yeah. And then he played this shot. You couldn't – and he was quick. He wasn't faffing about, or no, he said something else then. He wasn't mucking about. Uh, mm. He just took out this and smacked it a thousand miles in the air. We hit one of those ridiculous full swing from six yeah. feet off the back edge. Bill Mitchell flop. Yeah. Yep. Smashed it to about eight feet and then held the putt for, for a bogey. It so was I, a brilliant five. I didn't see it, but I heard about it and I read oh. about it. And, I, and, and for him, he just said, it was now or never. I need to win this thing. Yep. I don't want to just, you know. Pansy it around and get mm. into you know a third, tie a third or something like that. I need to win it if I'm going to win it. Here we go. But then he, did, but the way he, it was the, it was a demeanour. I, I don't know whether I've seen him quite as um, decisive as he was over the ball. He he, he did his stuff. You know, he took he still does the aim point nonsense, but he did it quickly. <laughs> and once he got over that, once he once it all of that had gone into the internal computer, he just got up and hit the thing, no matter what shot it was. Should have made, could have made three on sixteen. Birdie set par, par three, the little par three of the bunker around the yeah, front yeah. Area. Hit a beautiful they shot. They could have made two there. Yeah, hit, hit a beautiful shot to about fifteen feet, just under the pin, almost hole high, pretty straight putt. 
Uh, made three there, birdied 17, goes up 18 with a two-shot lead, hits an, hits a 330-metre drive up up 18. McElroy, whose tournament's over by then, hits one 345 metres <laughs> or which yards. Is, which is the debate of the last fortnight is the, the distance report from the RNA. And well, that's right. People claim the ball's not going too far and they're playing a hole that, you know, with a drive and a sandwich. Well, Feldo said... I think it was Feldo. It might have been long par four. One yeah. of them said they it's down on the fight. I don't know the contours of that hole at all, but you go up the hill and then it flattens out yeah. and you hit into that amphitheater. Feldo said, "I've never seen anyone hit their second shot from the flat, yeah. which is where McElroy hit his second yeah. shot from." Yeah. So, Roy was one of the guys who came out and said, "Roy's Roy's becoming a bit of a hero of the." He came out and said, "Yep, the ball's going too far. I wind it back," and today he smacked the. Premier Golf League on yeah. there too. So we'll get to that in a moment. Mm. So Scott. I'll kind of throw in one last yeah. distance thing. There you go. While, that, yeah, while you go. weren't with us, was Min Woo Lee on, on the last hole of the Vic Open when he hit two iron, nine iron <laughs> to a par five. Yeah. Yeah. That's it was, a it's bad, wind related. but It's a it's, bad example to use because that, that hard running fairway and the thing ran 150, that, yards. That's true, but geez, 360 or 365 metre two iron. Yeah. I don't know it's a bad example, downwind, bouncy fairways, but wow. Uh, his two, first win. Two iron. It's crazy stuff. Uh, but he does smash it. He does. He does. Yeah. Um, Scotty. So just wrapping up. Um, first win on the PGA Tour for nearly four years. Is it four years since you Apparently, yeah. 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 Well, you might have won a WGC somewhere, but. There's something about him. There was something about this win. I like the glint in your There's eye, some, Andy. His recent form is pretty good. It's awesome. It's pretty good. Whenever he's teed it up recently, he seems to win. So He um, was really close in the FedEx Cup playoff timings. Like He was really mm. there and thereabouts. He was good in the majors last year. Came home, um, won the Australian PGA Championship. He's gone back, and this is his first one for the year. It's good time. It's good form line. Yeah, no. How far, is he, how far is he from surpassing... Going past, not so far, going past Greg Norman as our best Amer- pl- performed player in America. So well, he, that's not fair because Norman won two majors in Britain. But So he joins. What, what is he, six tournaments behind Greg and one major? That's about right. Yeah. Yeah. Norman 20. That's right. Norman 20. So he's equal now with Crampton. Is that, did Crampton win 14? I think Crampton did win 14. 14. So he's now equal with Crampton. And he's only got Norman in front of him now. Ferrier was 19. Nine, beg your pardon. He was too. So, and one major. Um, so, yeah, well, that's suddenly within reach, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, you feel like it's a long way. He's a 40-year-old well, man him, now. It's right. taken him yeah. 20 years to get to – well, not 20 years. He didn't join the tour in. But it's taken him 15 years to get to 14. Yeah. Can he, can he win six more in? Well, he's the youngest-looking 40-year-old you've ever seen. He and he still hits it as far as Rory not, – not, but he's, he's only 20 yards behind McElroy's best. Yeah, McElroy's a bomber. But what's he – well, Adam's a bomber too. What, mm. What's he got, five more years le- legitimately? Well, I don't 25? know. How can long can – that that he's never had any injury, real injury concerns, no. has he? Like no. he's not he's not a Jason Day who's going to swing himself into early retirement. Yeah. So, oh, look, it'll be interesting. It'll be really interesting to see what he does. But he was fantastic on the weekend and he's got – he tees it up again in Mexico. He's going to be one of the six Australians down there this week in the WGC event. So one thing working against him is that if he went out and played a, you know, a lesser player's schedule, he'd probably have a couple of cheapy wins. Probably a good point. But he generally yeah. plays the really hard schedule because he only wants to win the yeah. big ones now. Yeah, so yeah, it's a fair. point. It's tougher. Yeah, cheapy wins aren't easy though either. No, they're, you know they're I mean. easier than hard wins, but they're still <laughs> cheapy wins on the US tour. He's got to play pretty well. Yeah, no. I'm, that's true. You know what I'm saying. Though. Um, so that's him. Uh, so just just capping yep. off, Andy, he's up to seven in the world. Yeah. So Adam's got seven in the world. Seven in the world. Wow. I mean, it's phenomenal because I, you know, in this on this in this very podcast, probably not two years ago, I was saying, you know, yep. it's now or never. Yeah. And oh, that's right, you were, and I was only back. I was, I was, you his, were on him. I was, I was on him. Yeah. And yeah, I was, I, I was nearly that. off him, and I've been his <laughs> biggest admirer. But wow, he's he's turned it right around. Um, that's not to say I didn't want to see him do this. No, of this. course you're bar- not barricading against him. I was, just, him, I was yeah. just really nervous that it was going, uh, the, the the momentum was irreversible. But seven in the world and he's arguably in the form of a top five sort of player. So huh. who well, knows? He, he just had a couple of kids, hadn't he? I mean, I'm sure that was it. Yeah, yeah it would have been a factor. Yeah, kind of yeah. Presumably he's settled into 
life and how that, that sort of works. And yeah. Yeah. Well, that, was a, that was a major quality field on the weekend. Nine mm. of the top ten teed it up. So great course. Um, do we yeah. do we dare to dream about having more than two players in the Olympics from an Australian perspective? Or is so it? So what just, are we going to have? You, anyone inside the top, top 15? fifteen? Yeah, up to three or four. Up yeah, to four. Up to four. So where are they now? Where's Where's Leishman? He's next, is he? Um, yeah, Leishman's next. Uh, I'm just I'm going to go scrambling through here. Mark Leishman's at, Mark Leishman's at twenty. Scott's at seven. Uh, Smith at thirty-seven, and then Day at forty-three. It's a long way to go in it. Yeah, Cameron Smith's not going to get to the top fifteen. In. Leishman wins in Mexico. Oh, hang on. If Smith wins in Mexico, what what is that? Go and give me your projection. Oh, he'd be around the 20. Okay. So if Smith wins and Leishman finishes top five, which is not out of the mm. question, then they both take significant steps towards that. Look, I would have thought this Moses, was an absolute. four months from picking the team. That's true too. Yeah. Yep, yeah. Yep. I would have thought this was an absolute joke of a conversation to be having, but geez, the way they're going, it's just, it's unbelievable what, they, what up they're doing. Australian wins now. That's what happens in the world, right? So from, from the start of the year, Asian tour, um, Wade, Wade Ormsby. Ogilvy, Herbert, Herbert. Herbert Menwu, Smith, Leishman, Scott. That's pretty good. <laughs> so it's bloody awesome. It's awesome. Um, and it's, it feels like it's a bit on a roll now. Like yeah. there's a bit of momentum about all this. So, well, we've gone through PGA Tour seasons without a win and we've mm. been. Last year there were no wins, were there? No, um, no wins last year. No. No Australian wins. So there, now we've had three and we've just ticked into February. It's unbelievable. That's all right. So we've got Her- Hand, Herbert, Leishman, Scott, Zach Murray, Smith. What an opportunity this week for a couple of those blokes. Zach Murray, because he made a good check in somewhere in Dubai. He needs that to, got him in, he is needs it? To, He's got a card in Europe. He needs to make his money. So Okay. Uh, he's in he the made, base no, on his get him in, but Australian but PGA Tour. Yeah. He got 65,000 euros in Dubai, I think. And he'll, what's the last money? He's probably 65,000. So... This will be a big chunk towards the money. Well, it's guaranteed here, isn't his, it? Make his yeah. card for next year, which is good. He's a really good player, Zach. You're beaten by 25 shots last, and you pick 40, 45 jumps in, doesn't it? Something yeah. like that. So it's pretty impressive. Um, so you guys were in uh, – you're, you're in Adelaide. Yeah. You're both there. You saw him be parked. Remind everybody what she's capable. Of. She she must have – I was a bit of it on the telly. She she just looked a cla- – she actually looked a class above. I'd never watched her play. I'd seen her hit shots and you know, play a few holes, but – she played with Sue Owen, Sayong in the first Sayong Yu in the first two rounds. So I watched her play thirty six holes and she was she's I knew she was good. I knew she was really good. But she doesn't look that good. No, no, I know what you mean. And yeah. then on the ordinary holes at Royal Adelaide, the first, the second, the third, the fourth, the fifth, the eighth, the ninth, the tenth, the eleventh, thirteen, fifteen, seventeen, eighteen, the ordinary holes in terms of what they're asking you to do. Mm. She just hit it down the fairway, hit it on the green somewhere. She held a wedge at the first, the first hole of the tournament. But she hit it on there 25 feet. Nothing, nothing impressive at all. Because everyone's going to play those, those holes well because they're not that hard. Six, drive a three-wood into the, into the first two days. Drive a three-wood into the wind to that green up the hill there. Mill the green both times. Twelve with the upturned green down the hill. Hardest path, one of the hardest path three greens in Australia. Middle of the green both times. Two perfect shots. Fourteen. One of the best par fours in Australia. Dog leg right, upturned green again, going off at the side, small green, middle of the green both times. <laughs> 16, the hardest green to hit par three. I mean, none of them hit it on Sunday. 16, middle of the green both times. So the four hardest holes on Thursday and Friday, so a total of eight holes, eight greens. She hit every, all, all eight greens with perfect shots. So when she got on a hard hole, she just nailed it. That's, that's why she's a great player. Yeah, that's Because the rest brilliant. of the stuff – wasn't that impressive. She mm. was she was just doing just except that she was just she never missed a fairway and she wasn't missing greens and she was but it wasn't like you were watching Rory McElroy or but think, when she, when she got on the hard holes, wham, she was great. And another thing I took from that, I I walked around with her probably I don't know, fifty four holes over Bowen Heads and mm. maybe a bit more even, sixty three over both tournaments and when she's teeing off or hitting a long iron or something to a number for a layup or whatever, it's exactly the same as everyone else. Yeah. No problem at all. And you just think, well, she's got a weird swing. It's very vertical. Yeah. She turns weirdly. It's just weird, but it's always the same at the bottom. Um, but when she needs to crank one up, so in the hole that Clates referred to there, the sixth that Royal Adelaide was playing on the weekend into a pretty stiff breeze, mm. particularly on Sunday, um, and you just think she can't go with – not that she was there, but the Brooke Hendersons or Aria Jatanagans mm-hmm. of the world. She can't do that. 
my God, when she needs to pierce that wind, her ball flight is low and it does not deviate. It's like it's like a knuckleball going through the breeze. It doesn't go left, right, anything. It's low, it bounces, it runs, and she's got them covered off the tee with that swing into the wind. It's like, how did you do that? Because you haven't been doing that on the other holes. Mm. It's fascinating to watch her play. I, I loved it. Yeah, she was brilliant. And she's a everyone says she's a great putter, and she is, but there's never any pressure on a putter. No. Yeah. You know, she's one, you know, she, you know, first hole, she's 200 after one hole last week, wedging the hole from 100 yards, but... You know, she just she's on the green. She's just one hundred. She's two hundred. She's three hundred. She's just twenty five feet two putt. Twenty five feet two putt. You know, if she misses, leaves it five foot while she makes it. She made every fifteen foot putt. knocks it in, and she was great on the par fives. She she would get up around the green, pitch it close, knock it in. Yeah, just it was a perfect lesson how to win a golf tournament. It really was, and I Andy, I've said this in a different forum during the week, but whether it's you know golf or footy or tennis or tiddly winks. You want your big trophies to have good names on them? Yeah. Well, that we're going to look back on her name on that trophy. We do already. But on the Patricia Bridges Bowl, I Park is going to look really bloody mm, good mm, in a few years' time. Mm. But you look at that list of the posters of the head of the winners, you know, Yanni Singh, yeah. Kari, Jessica Korda, Nelly Korda, Jin Young Ko, Namura? Haru, don't Haru, you start. Haru, Haru Namura. MB Park. <laughs> That's a hell of a list of players who've won that tournament in the last eight years. It really is. It really is. Uh I think that Patricia Bridges Bowl is treated with great reverence by international players because they don't get to play many national championships mm. on the women's tour. Hannah Jang, one of the other, yeah, I mean, they've, all, they've all been first-class players. I mean, Yanni Singh, number one, Nelly Korda, number four, MB number one for ages. Hannah Jang was way up there. You know, they've all been you know, Jim Young Co, number, number one. Yeah. You know, so there have been a lot of terrific players play and, that, and win that tournament. And Madeline Sagstrom, who's arguably the form player on the mm. LPJ tour, you know, she was right there. And it shows you that she had the field completely at arm's length when the whips were cracking all on Sunday. She never really got flustered. No. They came within two or three, but only when they'd played the par five 17th, which was a gimme birdie every day. Um, so it really wasn't reflective of where she was. And she played, as Clayton said, to win the tournament, I would say from 23, 24 holes out. She, you could see her visibly get to the 14th tee. So she crossed the railway line on 14th on Saturday and just thought, oh, that's enough for yeah, me. Yeah. I, if I don't make any stupid mistakes here, I'm, I'm gold. But she did, you know, the first two days, the, first, the 36 holes I watched, she three-putted the seventh the first day. She had a bad eye on there way left and three-putted across the green. And she drove in the bunker at 18. That were the only two mistakes. She, it wasn't like she was making mistakes and scrambling. That were the only two mistakes she made the first day. And the second day, four birdies, 14 pars. It was Perfect. Yeah. It yeah. really tested Huggy, to be honest with you, Murray. Was that? Because he hates the concept of blemish-free or flawless golf oh, when does. people yeah, refer to it. And yeah. it really – Clates went through it and it was like, you know what, that's pretty bloody blemish-free. Did he come around? <laughs> no, no. No, of course not. Turn it up. God love you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> flawless golf is hitting every iron of three feet. Yeah. You know, flawless golf is not hitting a wedge to 35 feet and two putting, which she did often last yeah. week. She yeah. just did what she had to do and – but she was uh, – But you uh, tried to give – at the Vic Open, you tried to give the bunker shot 10 out of 10, out of 10 and it didn't go in. Remember that one? Did you on the radio oh, broadcast? The playoff, who was yeah. that? Sayon or something? Was, no, I think it was He Young Park. He Young Park. No. It might, it might no, have been it was Sayon's bunker shot, yeah. yeah. And you tried to give it 10 and it didn't go in. I'm, They're no, I gave it 7, didn't I? No, you ended up giving it 9.9. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway. Uh, NB Park's – You've only got to watch her. You, you need to you need to watch her to see why she's great. You don't need to watch Rory to see why he's great. Mm. You just watch her swing on the TV. He's a great player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Greg the same. But you need to watch him better to see why she's great. But if you watch her long enough, uh, uh, now I get why she's great. Any final words on that before we bring it back local for a second? Uh, I, I just think that the, um, it'd be wrong to dismiss what Minji Lee and Hannah Green did as being poor, it was still reasonable in terms of oh, where yeah. they finished. And, yeah, you know, good. yeah, they just Absolutely. didn't have the right preseason perhaps. And, and no, they were fine. They just didn't have it. Yeah, that no week. concerns there. Um, so, and Hannah showed some real grit you know, at times. And Sayong so Yu for donating half oh, a big yeah. 70 or $80,000, yeah. whatever. Yeah. I mean, just. Uh, it's been some amazing, yeah. it, there's been some great generosity displayed by international athletes yeah. this summer. Um, obviously, Alexander Zverev in tennis was remarkable what he did and was very wasn't it? Was it Zverev? He was going to give it all, wasn't he? he? Gave, I think he gave it. I think he did. And when he got to the semi-final, I said, are you 
Benicum, you're going to, and he said, yeah, I've said what I said. I love coming to Australia. It's great. Yeah. It's off. So it's gone. Can I just read one email that came to us from um, Michael Blewett? Cool. Sort of combining the, a thought, and I'd like to get Clayton's opinion on this. Um, uh, just wanted to say great things about the Vic Open. My old man and I are big fans of the LPJ, and although we live in Sydney, every year we make the effort to go and watch. Over the years, we've been everywhere. The Women's Australian Open has been from Royal Melbourne a few times, the Vic Commonwealth, Royal Canberra, and three Adelaide courses. This weekend was our first time attending the Vic Open and first big tournament without ropes, and we loved it. It's such a great way to watch golf, and after attending the Vic Open, my dad was saying it's the only way he wants to watch it now. So I was just wondering whether the no ropes can be brought into other tournaments. I understand for big tournaments like the President's Cup and even the Men's Oz Open, it's probably not practical, but what about the Women's Oz Open? From the Vic Open, I've seen how the crowds are respectful, understand all the etiquette, and know where to walk and where not to. So is there any chance this could be taken on board? Clates, you're a champion of this. What do you think? Well, I think it's ridiculous they don't walk on the fairways in Adelaide for the Women's Open because the crowds aren't that big that you can't manage it. Pretty big on Sunday. For the last group. Maybe the last two groups, but not the first 30 groups. Yep, yep, yep. So you know, I, I, the first big crowd I saw in a golf tournament was 1970 Australian Open at Kingston Heath watching Gary Player in the last group with Frank Phillips go down the first hole. Everyone on the fairways. Mm. Worked fine. I was only because Bruce Crampton came back and started complaining about bad lives and, you know, women in high heels making holes in the fairways <laughs> that he got, you know, I'm sure he wasn't the sole reason. No, no, no. By the mid seventies, we were done with it, but it was a great way to watch golf and it, and it was probably unique to Australia. And certainly for the women's open, we sh- I think we should go back to that because sh- the, the crowds weren't any bigger there than they were at the 13th beach. What about on Thursday, Friday, something like the Australian open? Yeah, well, but before you get to the the weekend masses, why wouldn't you want to on come in early, get in here on Thursday, Friday, and get up close? Why not? Well, Paul McNamee had that thing where PGA. Why not? When the players had gone through, the people could come behind to watch and then go back out and go behind the ropes again, which was it was a bit half pregnant, but it worked pretty well. Mm. So, well, I, I'm glad I, that there's that. It's great feedback. Yeah, from Michael Blewett, great. Yeah, and yeah. I, I think the only thing that I would say to it, because I agree with what Clayton said personally, from a from an operational perspective, the LPGA Tours likes the idea, but they're a little bit lukewarm on it. They're not all in. And well, I think they're Americans. Come on, I mean, they just assume that they know better than everyone else. And you know, I mean, we're, <laughs> we'll get we're, to... we've all seen it work here. Well, I, I, I'm old enough to have seen it work perfectly well. Yeah. In the early 70s, it, where the crowds were way bigger than they are now. Yeah. I, I think anything that can make Australian golf radical and unique is is to be Absolutely. commended, My basically. Um, did you see any of the where Queensland Open's underway? We're recording this midday-ish on Thursday, so they're playing the Open up there. The PGA was last weekend. It was a four-hole playoff win to Michael Sim over one of the Arnold Scotty. Scott Arnold. Arnold. Yep. I think um, David Branson shot 63, did I see this morning at did Pelican he? Waters? Okay. Yeah, he did. Okay. Okay, there course go. record at Pelican Waters, 63. See, Greg's the course designer. Isn't that part of the deal of being the course designer? You go up there and break the course, set the course record. And, and of course, if Greg's got the course record, you can't break it. I've got not allowed to. Byron Nelson. Byron, <laughs> Nelson. Byron Nelson used to play exhibition matches in America. And he always asked who had the course record. And if it was a club pro, he never broke it. Is that a fact? Never broke it. Out of respect. Out of respect. Fantastic. Is that right? Yeah. Michael Sim, I'll forever be fascinated by this bloke. Yep. He wins the tournament. So we know, we know what his backstory is. Anyone who listens to this podcast and knows Australian golf. I hope Michael Sim enjoys the wins. If Simmy, if you're listening to this, I hope you enjoy it. I want Michael Sim to enjoy golf. Michael Sim looks like he's tortured by the game. Yeah. And he wins on the weekend, and it's and I understand there's mental relief at the end of it. I understand that, and I, I I've been a, I've been on the Michaelson bandwagon for twenty years. I just want him to enjoy the game. I don't want him to be oh, weighed down by the expectation that he's supposed to be a great player, and he maybe hasn't lived up to his own, you know, expectations, and maybe he still sees better things in front of him than Queensland PGAs. I don't know where he sees his own. Yeah, there he is, walking his own buggy. Why didn't someone grab his buggy, by the way, <laughs> on the last day and say, oh, listen, mate, I won't say a word, but I'll just, I'll, I'll, I'll carry your buggy for you. I'll drag your buggy around for you. Someone do that for him next time the bloke's in the final group. But I just, I, I, I really want Michael Sim to enjoy golf. 
And I don't know whether well, if he's not going to enjoy that, he's not going to enjoy much, is he? Yeah, that's pretty remarkable. He was, was four great. shots behind with what, three to play. Had no hope. <laughs> Everyone fell over, and he did what he had to do, and then he played enough good shots when it mattered in the end. Mm. Um, and he wins it. And I don't know whether I don't know how old's Michael Sim now. Is he? Would he be thirty-five? Is thirty-five? He? Is he? Yeah. Yeah. It's not too late for Michael no. Sim. Uh, yeah, it is. Is it too late? <laughs> yeah, of course it is. Yeah. Is it? <laughs> well, no, no. Because he's no, a good I don't, player. I don't he's a good player is. at 20. Like, he's a, it's there. I don't think it is, Clates. I think, you know, we're speaking of Scotty Arnold, but Jamie Arnold's really starting to make headway about the same age. Mm. So it, It's whether he wants to do it. Any, like, like Fraser's almost played himself back onto the European tour, and he wanted to – I don't know where Fraser was 18 months ago, but he's he was going to retire. He didn't yeah, want to travel anymore, but, but, you, but he's, you know. But you watch Fraser play with Minwoo. Yeah, well, it's, it's a kind of different a, game. Yeah. Yeah, I mean Fraser's got he's a terrific player, but he's a his generation has been passed by. Yeah, if they're not, you know, serious athletes, and Fraser's kind of a little overweight and a little slow and lumbering, and yeah, uh, that game's yeah, he's, that game's passed him by now. So, but so, so he cannot he needs to pick and choose venues that he can compete yeah. at. That, that's going to be the challenge. Yeah, Thirteenth beach, six thousand yeah. yeah. eight hundred yards, perfect. Yep, yeah. yep. Yeah. Put him on a seven thousand. 300-yard course against Minwoo Lee, he's got no chance. Yeah. Yep. Well, and, and, if we and there's a field of guys hitting as far as Minwoo Lee in Europe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. China and you know, those yep. places where it's a bomber's paradises. And... You do forget, though, that Simi was, you know, pretty world-class for a period there. You know, he wasn't a... He could make the top 50 in the world playing the nationwide yeah, tour. Yeah, correct. He, got he the... led the US Open, didn't he? Into a Sunday, or was it into the second, uh, mid, third or fourth round? Well, he got the Battlefield promotion from the nationwide that, tour, yeah. and that he got in the world top 50 based on that. It was an, he was world-class there for no a while. No question about his it. injuries and stuff. Yeah, the back let him down, and yeah. I think he I think he sort of... I get the suspicion that he, suspicion that he kind of fell out, fell out of love with the game a bit, you know, but I, look, he was... We'll terrific. get him on, Andy. We'll get him on. And you, you yeah, can ask oh, him. I'll be happy to. He probably even hates me speculating about him <laughs> like this. But um, but it was great to see him. Yeah. Win. It was great right. to see him win on the weekend. It was bloody terrific. So um, well done to him. By the way, the shot that – did you see any of it? The shot that Scott Arnold hit, he hit his – I don't know what hole it was. It was his third playoff hole maybe. Maybe it was the last playoff hole. Hit his second shot into that par four up the hill way right. Yeah. And he was – it was in – Two ankles up to halfway up his shin, the <laughs> kaikuyu that he was in. Yeah. He could not see the ball. Goddard went to look for it, and the caddy said it's there. And Goddard reckons he pointed at the ball. I still couldn't see it. Wow! And he had to come over a bunker on a green that sort of ran away. He had a bit of green to play with. Shotty play was uh, like no one will see it. Remember Michael Long when he played out of the Hazard mm-hmm. on eighteen? It no one ever. No one's ever going to remember. Yeah. yeah, no one will ever remember that yeah. shot. Yeah, and will never get spoken about with the great shots in Australia. The shot that Arnold played to keep it. On the green or mm. puttable with his neck shot back was ridiculous shot that he played. No one's ever seen no one will ever see it and only we'll recognise it on this show and we'll move on. <laughs> we better take a break, Andy. We, is that what we do? I think we have to take a break. Oh, no. We'll take a break. Back with more after this. The Golf Australia website is now the place to go to look up your handicap and so much more. Whether you're out and about on your phone or in the office trying to avoid work, just go to golf.org.au and punch your golf link number into the box at the top of the homepage. Who knows, maybe that last round was just good enough to put you in single figures. While you're on the site, check out the daily golf results at your club, view our course index for up-to-date ratings, read the latest golf news from home and abroad, listen to Australian golf podcasts and interviews and watch video tournament highlights or tips to improve your game. It's everything a golf tragic could want. Visit golf.org.au today. The home of Australian golf. Welcome back to the show. You're listening to Inside the Roast, Mark Hayes, uh, Mike Clayton, Andy Mark. Um, Peter Costas on not No Laying Up podcast over in the States. Now that he's no longer part of the CBS commentary team. He didn't mess, did he? He's had a go, Peter Costas. Been a lot said. You can go to their podcast and have a listen to it all. Clearly the main takeaway surrounds Patrick Reid. Uh, he said that Patrick Reid, uh, he saw him four times. Saw him improve his life four times when he was on the course. Now everybody's found one of them. And it was from 2016 at Beth Page where... Peter Costas saw Patrick Reed take an iron out. He's hitting in the rough, take an iron out of his bag, 
drop an iron behind the ball on several occasions. Kept yeah. dropping it behind the ball several occasions. And then put the iron back in the bag from 310 metres out or yards out and take his three wood out. I know you're scrambling here, Hazy. We can sort of flimsily play the audio of what Costa said. I've got to find it and it's gone. But he said it in the coverage. He said this in the coverage. He did. He said it. He couldn't have played that shot when he got here. So have you here, got it? Yeah, okay, yeah. Here, here it is. We'll have a listen to it. We'll play it straight off Hazy's phone here because that's about what we've got. It's about what we've been reduced to here on Inside the Race. Hang on a second. Here, here, we go. Go. here it is. Is he going to lay short of that one, the big one? Well, he's got 316 total, and he's put his iron behind the ball about four or five times. Now he's put it back and taken out a... Wow. A wood. A wood. Why? why? This is uh, why. Why? Why? <laughs> well, why would I he do First this? of all, I don't know why he's trying this. Uh, second of all, the lie that I originally saw wouldn't have allowed for this. So, so he, wins, wow. he wins the tournament, right? He wins that tournament. It's all there. You can hear them all in the background. And, and Costa said in the it was the first time the, he'd ever silenced Gary McCord. The McCord was obviously part of that contract. McCord, you, can hear, you can hear them all saying, oh, I'm not going there. Yeah, why? Oh, why? Yeah. Why? Well, no why, one's answering. Why doesn't one of them say it? Say it. And then he said he saw him again in Hartford and at San Diego. And that it didn't surprise him at all what he saw in wherever it was. Where yeah. was it? Uh, Bahamas. Bahamas. That's right. Bahamas, yeah. yeah. Wow. I I can't wait to see what happens to Costas because the Reed litigious Reed machine is got to be cranking up. Oh, you know, you sometimes someone has to stand up and do this, and I reckon the whole world will unite behind Peter Costas if he gets in trouble for this. Why don't they say it when they when it's happening? In any other well, sport. Well, because no, he explained that. Frank Chikanian, yeah, who was the godfather yep. of yep. TV golf rucks, and said, you are not the story. You are reporting the story. So it's not, you know, stay out of that stuff. So then it's duty, it's, it's, it's incumbent upon him as the director slash producer of their coverage to continue weaving that back in. When it looks like Patrick Reed's going to win the tournament, if you want to tell the proper and true narrative of that event at the time, listen, let's go back to whatever hole that was. Or let's go back to 11. Boys, we've had a chance to digest this in ad breaks. What are we thinking? Well, let's let's go back and do this. Let, let, this is the story, but it never happens. It never happens in golf coverage. You, it's happened in Australia. I've been part of it in Australia. I've seen it happen. They don't want to tell negative stories during coverages. Which was the I thought that was the biggest takeout of Costas's interview with the No Lang Up guys was that the tour don't want anything negative said about no. You know. But that's that's not negative about the tour. That's negative about the player. Well, they want to know the cheating going on. Cheating, look at what the Houston Astros have done. Yeah, in but that, yeah, but that's, that's not golf. It's no, no, but cheating happens sport. in all sports. To say that to, for, for the PJ yeah. Tour to think that cheating doesn't happen in golf and and we're not going to tell that part of the story is just they've, they've got their – they've either got their – it's all about – and we know what brand management does. We've seen that. Yeah, yeah what gets you nowhere, gets you into trouble. Yeah, the PJ Tour is a marketing company that happens to be using golf as its vehicle. So what should and, they, and they don't want anything negative oh, said about anything, which was Costas's point. I 100% agree with what Clay just said then, right I then. agree too. But I, and I think it's shameful from a golf's perspective that that's become the way it is. And that's why I keep banging on here. And people get upset that I'm anti-PGA Tour. I'm not. I'm just anti the fact that they don't represent the best interests of the sport. What's behind? But that's not their job. They're, well, it's kind of. Well, no, it's not their job. They would, they would say it is, but their, their job is to make the players as rich as they can. That's right. And to, and to put a spin on everything so that everything's great. Even but if they the, cheat. But, but they're the shop window of our sport. Yeah. Even you know, if so they, they have cheat. a responsibility. Well, clearly, oh, God. This is where we go. And Clayton and I had to edit some stuff out at one stage because we did call someone. Oh, uh, we don't mention any names. You no, don't have to mention well, names. You can have this conversation without mentioning names. But if, but if you showed that bit of footage to a lawyer, very difficult to prove he improved his oh, life. Oh, well, well, that's that, right. That, I mean, well, yeah. Well, let, me, yeah. let me read something. I've got to just. I've got to scramble again here. Well, you Andy. scramble. I was at the lakes. I don't remember what year it was. Mm. And I was, we were doing the coverage for Channel 10, I think. Mm. And for some reason, I was out on the course. And I was out on the course. And I was on 11. And they were elsewhere. And it was the day that Dale emptied his bag into the water. Oh, yeah, yeah, kept yeah, hitting yeah. second balls into the water yeah. on 11. Yeah. And he's, give me another one. It was Tink Cup. Give me another one. Give me another one. Yeah. And it was clear after six shots, seven, he's playing himself. He's never going to carry the water, and he's playing yeah. himself out of the top. And I'm saying to the producer, I'm saying to the bloke, "Hey, listen, Daly's doing this. Come, I've got a cameraman here right now. Yeah. Come down." And I go, "No, no, we can see what he's doing." 
Well, come down. Oh, no, 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 no. We're not showing that. Well, why not? Oh, because it would be embarrassing for the tournament. Not embarrassing for the tournament. It's not embarrassing for Australian golf. No. Embarrassing for John Daly. Correct. <laughs> and John Daly that year, he's sitting up the back of whatever hole he's living in one of those condos, getting the king's treatment. Like, he was a guest, an invited guest mm. on, on reasonable terms with the tournament to be there. Of course, it's a story, and it's so and of course, stupid because next day it's all over it was, every newspaper. You in Australia. were probably covering it. I did. It was my story. It was everywhere. Yeah, I was. I was on the fairway with you, and it's like, That's oh right. my god! You know, this is just. Don't worry about the golf now. It's this. This is the story, and to to turn a blind eye on that, I think it's really naive. So for 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 these blokes not to, I think something's got to change in in golf coverage. I mean, in any other sport, if a bloke Barry Hall's, if a bloke, if Barry Hall whacks a bloke, we see it. If, if someone's picked up cheating in baseball, we hear about it. If someone gets sandpaper on a ball in cricket, we see it. Wow. Do we? Well, when we find out about it, we do. Occasionally yeah. we hear about it. Well. How, but um, how long has ball tampering been going on in cricket? Well, you've got to get – when you well, we saw it in South Africa, didn't we? I mean, they had, you know, had conclusive – and that was Farney de Villiers, who was part of the commentary, saying, hey, I've seen – we need to we need to do this. So when Peter Cost, somebody who was respected, as, to bring it back to this one, Somebody is respected as Costas. And you can hear the voices of oh, Faldo yeah. and all the other going, oh, 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 we know what he's doing there. Yeah. We're not going. We're not going to say, say it. it but. So this is why I'm going to read this out, Andy, because this was on Sirius XM radio in the United States, um, Brooks Kepka, uh, who was interviewed and was asked, was Reed cheating? And Brooks Kepka, who you got to love his just yep. straight out nature, Kepka, uh, yeah, I think, yeah. I mean, I don't know what he was doing, building sandcastles in the sand, but you know where your club is. I mean, I took three months off and I can promise you, I know if I touch sand. It's one of those things where you know, if you look at the video, obviously he grazes the sand twice and then he still chops down on it. Yeah. End of story. Say no more. So further, so say no more there. That's Kepka, right? That's Kepka. So Costa says this. This is another grab from the No Laying Up podcast. The PGA Tour doesn't give a rat's ass about the quality. He would have said rat's ass. The PGA <laughs> quality, the PGA Tour doesn't give a rat's ass about the quality of the telecast. They don't care about the quality of the viewer experience. Did that ring true to you too? <laughs> it rings perfectly true to me. Uh, and, you know, I, I, I'll just get another bag of mail saying, you know, you're anti PGA Tour, you're anti this, you're They don't. They, what, what do they care about you? What do they... How are they enhancing your experience of the game? I mean, what he was talking about was you know, the exorbitant rights that the tour are paid for, to hold the to, to for, you know CBS pay exorbitant rights to host the golf, mm. hold the golf to the PGA Tour, which means as Costa said, they've got to fill it up with a gazillion ads. Yeah, so it's full of ads, and so the more ads you go to, the more shots are played on tape delays. So you never, you know, so you're never watching anything actually live. And it's an awful yeah. product, I reckon. Yeah. Well, yeah, and that's okay. despite some brilliant commentators. So, what's going to happen to him before we get off this? Costas. What happens to Peter Costas? He'll get picked up by NBC, probably, or uh, I'm maybe, not sure. Maybe he'll get sued by the Reed people. No, he won't. Yeah, he will. No doubt. Think so? Yep. They're litigious as hell. I'll tell you what's going on here. Can well, I say, why aren't they going to sue Brooks Kepka? The best who's, player in the world. Who's saying they're not? Who's saying they're not? Well, they're not going to do that. They're not I, that I think the biggest thing that um, I took out of that Bahamas thing, Andy, was that the wording that had to be used around the explanation of the penalty to, oh. to, to um, Patrick Reed. Uh, you know, the players have got this whole thing over a barrel. You know, <laughs> he just said, if you do this, I'll do that. And they go, oh, we don't want that, Patrick. You know, yeah. so out comes the, uh, you know, his broken rule 12.c.3, whatever it is. Mm. Um, and that's it. There's no reference to blatant, flagrant, you know what? Yep, yep. So there's a there's a there's a shot being fired across the bow here, I reckon, of every player, and I'm sure they don't all listen to inside the ropes, but every player who tries to get away with stuff that's not entirely legal, I reckon we're getting close to a period here in golf commentary and golf coverage where they will start getting called out. I've, I've got a feeling where this is opening up to. It might be. It might be. A, who knows? It might be a changing in the way that we've covered the game. Andy, I had a really fascinating chat with John Paramore 
at 13th Beach during the Vic Open. It, off the record, it was just me just chatting to him. I chatted to him for ages. It was fantastic. What a great bloke, the head rules guy from the European tour. Um, and he's just basically saying to me, if I'm paraphrasing and you know not breaking his confidence, that the rules are an ass in terms of he can't enact them to the letter of their intent. Does that make sense? Oh, well, it, well, it makes sense, yeah. So he, he knows what he saw. Yeah. And he can't say to the player that he saw, make the infraction, you did this, I'm going to suspend you for this or give you that penalty or whatever. It's his word against the player. His word against the player. So mm. it's it's all he said, she said. Yeah. And until they've got, he said, unless we've got video on every corner of the course, we're, we're screwed basically mm. in mm. terms of mm. being able to enforce our muscle. It's a challenge. Uh, we'll get a break out of the way. Uh, the Premier Golf League. I wonder whether it's dead in the water. We'll have a chat about that when we come back. You're listening to Inside the Ropes. Hi, I'm Minji Lee, and I'm proud to be an ambassador for MyGolf, Australian Golf's national junior program. One of my favourite things about coming back to Australia is seeing all the kids getting into golf. MyGolf is every Aussie kid's first step on their golfing pathway. It's all about fun and friendship, learning golf and life skills in a safe and healthy environment. So, if your child is between 5 and 12 years old, be sure to find a program near you at mygolf.org.au. Welcome back to Inside the Ropes. Mike Clayton, Mark Hayes, Andy Marr, uh, Rory McElroy, back to number one in the world, has said, uh, I'm out. I'm not interested. Premier Golf League, we all got a bit excited about, or not excited, we got a bit interested in what this this was going to look like after Jeff Shackleford broke the story a couple of weeks ago. We've seen a bit here and a bit there about it. McElroy said that I want to hang on to my freedom of choice. I don't want to be told where to go and play by these he, people, which is... And he wants to be on the right side of history. Is it dead? Well, it's a big blow. But they've offered, if the rumours are true, Tiger between 200 and 250 million. They've got, they got a billion dollars cash in the bank, apparently. So we'll see. I mean, again, you know, one argument is, and I think I agree with it, let me flesh it out, that these guys have gotten unbelievably rich on the back of the PGA Tour. Mm. And they've gotten to be the best 50 or 50 players in the world or whatever. And right when you know, the tours allowed them to live lives beyond their belief, they're now going to dump the PJ Tour and go and kill it and go and play for their own self-aggrandizement and self-riches, you know, their riches yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and the, maybe not the fame, but, you know, it just seems like you're destroying something that's made you what you are. And I just don't think that's the right thing to do. And do you think Rory's... At some stage, somewhere in his weighing up of this, that's been a factor. Well, well I think he, when he said, I, I want to be on the right side of history, I think that history will judge these guys pretty badly if it leads to the destruction of the PGA Tour. Not that, you know, we're no great fans of the PGA Tour. They're not perfect, but mm. it is what it is. And to ruin it would be kind of crazy. Dan Hazy, gone? Uh, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. I, th I think that's true. Unfortunately, yeah. I say unfortunately because I'd like to see other tournaments outside the United States yeah, yeah. Uh, rise in global prominence. Um, but, you know, fortunate in some senses, unfortunate in others. But without, you know, you, it needs Tiger. It needs McElroy. It's clear. clear. But if they're serious about that, they could pick off the Australian Open, Japan Open, the South African Open, the British PGA, and make them $20 million tournaments and invite, you know, and, and have eight or six or eight tournaments like that. They could run those and, and they, could, they could work with the PGA Tour and they could invite 60 players and make them invitationals. And I don't know, you could maybe do that, but. Why wouldn't they? Is it, is it not, uh, not quite because as big I, enough? Because uh, there's probably not enough to, yeah. to do the TV It's not as big with. a splash, is it, if no. you do that? That's almost good of the game stuff. And they're probably not interested in that. It's all about lining their own pockets. Uh, a couple of. <laughs> Big stories just before we get going. Um, GA's long-serving CEO, Stephen Pitt, mm. uh, will be no longer in that role. Yeah. Announced this week. Um, there's already people starting to speculate about the whys and wherefores of all of that. So GA's not going to post a profit for this last financial year. Some people speculating that the one golf model is, you know, to to – or the, the execution of the one golf model is partially to sort of lay at the feet of Pitt's decision or the decision around Stephen. What's, what's well, the story? 
I don't know. Mm. I, this came as this obviously doesn't happen overnight, and yet I I was sort of became aware of it. Um, I was first told on on Sunday, and it was announced on Tuesday morning. So it's happened. The end of it has happened quickly and without a lot of knowledge from mm. people who aren't really close to it. Um, he's working away for the next little while. I think probably at least till the end of March. So I don't think there's anything untoward or anything like that. So. It's a shock to me, Andy, mm. and I still haven't really had the chance to sort of nut it all out, to be honest well, with you. He's your boss. Yeah, he is, and I and, and I get on really well with him personally, and I think he's a great bloke for yep. golf, and he's had been fighting fights on a lot of fronts um, for a long time, um, and I, I'm sure they've taken a toll. Um, if that's how he's been judged, I think that's really harsh on, on some of the things he's been trying to do. Mm. So, um, look, only time will assess his tenure, but... Um, he's done a lot of things right for Australian golf. Um, if this one golf thing has, you know, been the, the death knell, then that's, that's pretty sad. And I think it reflects, you know, poorly on the industry. A lot of good in that intentions from an mm. intentions perspective. The game and the world lost Mickey Wright this week. Yeah. Plates. Who was the greatest woman player ever, probably. Ben Hogan thought she had the best golf swing he'd ever seen. I mean, some films that were up on. Yeah. In other places. I mean, she had an amazing goal swing. I never saw her play, obviously, but. She know. was tall, wasn't she? Yeah, six foot, maybe five foot 11. Yeah, she was big, strong, athletic. So amazing like swing. Brad Hughes, like real students of the golf yeah. swing have been yeah. waxing Hogan, lyrical. Hogan. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She was five foot nine. 82 tournaments and. You know, she was 13 like, majors, 13. Yep. So it was said that if um, she basically retired. You know, age thirty-four or something like that. She came out of retirement and lost maybe the that A and A tournament, the, the thing in the desert, the major. She lost that in a playoff, I think, when she she came and played in sneakers <laughs> when she no had, one played in sneakers. And, she retired because she had foot troubles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I'm sure she's just worn out from the pressure of you know being the best player for. Having said that, Kathy Whitworth won eighty-eight tournaments, so she was pretty good too. Yeah. So just going by numbers, Andy, like her numbers right now are similar to Tiger Woods' numbers. They so, are really similar. Um, yeah. You know, in terms of majors and and LPGA Tour events, won, but she basically stopped playing fifteen years before Tiger. Mm. Um, Gee, she must have been dominant. I mean, can I, I, yeah. can I read dominant. some numbers here to you just yeah. quickly? Um, so you know, she started to win when she first came out, and then really took off in 1960. She won six times on the LPGA Tour in 1960, which I think in itself is phenomenal. Hmm. 1961, she won 10. 1962, she won 10. 1963, she won 13. <laughs> 64, she won 11. And then that's when her foot injury started to flare up. She's the only player um, on the women's side who's held every major title concurrently at the time. I think it was 63. might have been 62. Okay. It's a hell of a player. Yeah, uh, incredible. And they reckon she's and reclusive in yeah. the end of a lot. I think I think I'm right. I asked Kari once. I don't think Kari ever met her. She maybe emailed with her, but she was very reclusive and right. lived in Florida and used to hit balls off a mat in her back garden. And but what a swing! Wow, she was amazing. Uh, it's been a big week, um, and there's a lot going on. Thanks for listening. Uh, we got going. more, Andy. I'll oh, go on then, quick. I got to touch base because we haven't got more. That's not really Australian that we haven't already mentioned on and around the world. But um, Stephen Leaney was the longtime leader in the he was Champions Tour thing, and, and he yeah. faded to finish and tied tied for fifth. But I just want to make mention of that. Yep, uh, it's through the um, the Chubb Classic, I think it was. Nice. But he, he's going nicely um, already on the on the um, Charles Schwab Cup, whatever it's called. Is now sixteenth, um, and so too is Rod Pampling, and and um, also our man Dave McKenzie. I did want to. Can I mention this here? Yeah, go on. I don't know what you got. What you well, got? it's a it's an embargo release for the Australian Golf Digest top hundred, and we'll probably you know. Oh, we, I heard we about this. There was controversy over number one. Weren't they? Didn't they have something stuck in their throat about whether they could spit out what they were going to do with number one? I did hear about this. I didn't hear about that. Ago. Okay. Well, what have they done? Well, I, you know, we'll we'll touch back on this. I reckon when Golf Australia does theirs, because I think it's best to compare. Yep. Notes when they're both out, if that makes sense. Sure. Sure. Um. But they've gone. They've plumped with Royal Melbourne West again. Number two, number number two um, is actually Cape Wickham. Cape Wickham, same as Golf Australia, which is a much better list than that one. Kings, I think. Kingston Heath third, right? Yeah. And Barnboogle is fourth. 
and Barbugal Lost Farm is seventh. Right on. So Tassie's actually got, and the Ocean Dunes, which is also on the King Island, is 13th. So Tassie's got only four courses in the top 100, which is fair enough. But they've got four in the top 13, which is amazing. They've got four in the top. They've got three in the top four, in my opinion, but anyway. Right. In the other magazine, they've got three in the top four. Yep. So that's Wickham Dunes and Lost Farm? Yep. Interesting. Okay. Um, but yeah, the the there's some interesting reading going to come out of this when it's all all said and done. But um, Victoria's got five in the top ten, five in the top nine. Um, if you take in New South Wales, New South Wales itself is five. And if you take out Alston because no one else can get on it, well, yeah. I think that's probably a fair indicator. Um, there's no nothing else until number nineteen, which yeah, is interesting. Yeah, right. Okay. Um, WA's got a lot of sort of second level ones, none in the top ten. Um, South Australia's got none in the top 10. 11th overall is Royal Adelaide. So Victoria um, and Tasmania now is the place to be if you want to play It seems that elite way. quality golf in Australia. I think the one that it strikes me is Queensland, which just continues to produce a you know, massive amount of really talented golfers, mm. um, and which is really nothing to do with the, how good the courses are. But Brookwater, the remodeled Brookwater, is now 29th, Clates. Is that what it says there? And to be the best yeah, I mean, so-called best course in Queensland. I'm, I have a bias, but anyone who thinks Royal Queensland's below Hamilton Island's having a laugh. <laughs> this really... is why these ratings. The judges are... probably had a good time out there on well, Kent nice Island views. or whatever it's called. It's got nice views, yeah. Good yeah, good it's views. got a couple of the par threes are pretty special there, aren't they? Yeah. Anyway, Peninsula, Peninsula North six overall, pretty good. Victoria's the still the top heard, ten. I heard some people, and I must declare I'm a member, but I heard some people were. Pushing for it to be considered a bit higher than that. Is that on the Australian Golf Digest or Golf Australia? Golf Australia yeah, was good, five. Good question. One of them. I can't Australia remember which was one it was. Five. Golf Digest at six. That's, that's about that right? mark. That's okay. the mark. I think we might get Steve Kuypert and um, and Brendan. Oh, that was a good. James that was great last year. Come back in and think and have another crack at it. That's good. Uh, is that it? We're done. We're done. Inside the ropes, episode one five one. Thanks for listening, folks. Back next week to do it all again.